Last night, a boy that I work with that I know that was an old seat home brought me a friend of his who was very, very depressed. He's sick of his life. He, he can't be better. He can't be worse. He can't take his life. Everything's terrible. He's smoking weed. doesn't want to smoke weed, but he doesn't. He can't be normal. He can't be in yeshiva. He doesn't. He, he's struggling. And he's miserable. He's modest miserable. And I told him, I said, this is the greatest day of your life. I am so happy for you. He looks at me like, what? I said, let me teach you a little Nesiva Shulam. And I learned this shtickle with him. And as much as it's important for the kids to hear this, and I wish that they would somehow, and uh, you could learn this. You could, you could show your kid what you found. I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Depends on your situation. But I want the parents to read this with, with me and understand this and, 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 and hear, hear what he says. I'll give you the backdrop. This is in this week's Parshas where Klai Yisrael is being rescued from Mitzrayim. And all of a sudden, Hashem tells Maishu Rabbeinu, I have seen, for I have seen the Ani Ami, the Ani, the pain of my children, of my nation. I know their pain. Now, before this, I want to explain something. He explains that just like the seeds, you know, in third grade, usually the kids do this experiment. They bring home a seed, they put it in a cup, and in order for the seed to grow, you would expect that the seed just starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But we all know that that's not what happens. The seed gets foiled. The seed gets, what's the word? Disintegrated. Disintegrated. Sorry, my English is not that good. Disintegrated <laughs> until it's almost dead. Many seeds die and don't make it. But those that still have a drop of kernel, a spark of life, right then they start to grow and they become something new. So Nesiva Shulam says that every kind of new, new birth, every kind of new, something new that happens, happens this way, that first it has to almost disintegrate, but not at the point where it's dead, but just that the only thing that's left is the, the spark of life, and then it can have a rebirth. In order for the nation of Kaisal to become an Am Chadash, it had to be almost dead. He explains that's why says, Hashem had to take us out of Mitzrayim quickly. Why? Because Medrash says we were about to fall into the Nun Charitoma and he couldn't wait another second. So he says, so why didn't God start a little earlier? Why didn't you wake up a few days earlier, a few weeks earlier? Start with the Memchesh Charitoma. Why did you wait till the last second? He says, no, it had to be that way. The kid has to be what we call rock bottom. That it has to be that we had nothing left from our previous, from our previous godless of the Shvatim. And the only thing was the kust of the chiyusa was not yet destroyed, and therefore we became an am chadosh. We were able to come am hanifchar. A kid who goes through a bad time and then gets rescued is not a new kid. It's the same kid, but somebody who goes through a terrible, terrible time and then he pulls out of it, and then then all of his knowledge about life is over, and everything that he believed is over, and he's like a like a tinnik shenayilid. He's like a newborn that can learn new things and can and can start. Everything that he thought is, is over. So these kids, I explained to him, you have to go out there in the street, and then you have a messed up life, and then you go and burn your brain cells with all the weed and everything, and then you get to a point where you're done. You, have, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. I told him, I said, imagine the newborn baby. The newborn baby is hanging out in his mom's stomach. It's, it's a great life. He's chilling on the hammock in there. He's getting food. He's going around wherever she goes. He doesn't have a worry in the world. And then it would never come out. But then there's like a push inside that forces the child out. you got to go out. And it's very painful. They come out crying. 
They're really not happy about this adjustment. You've got to start breathing on your own, eating on your own, difficulties, you have pain, you have all kinds of issues. But the only way to get out there is if you're pushed out. So I explained to this kid that you're being now, Hashem, or inside of you, is you're pushing yourself out of the drug world, of the street world, but you're looking for something. It's either, you're either going to go with that opportunity down, or you're going to try to drown it out, or you're going to go up. I said, listen, you're 18 years old. You know at 25 to 125, you know you're not going to be living like this. The question is, how are you going to get there? The first step is that you're going to wake up, and that separates you from all the other kids who are so drunk from just wasting time. You're waking up and you're saying, you know what, this bench feels a little bit too hard. The movie seems a little bit not so whatever. My friends are, are a little bit stupid. And it's not a coincidence that his parents came here a couple of months ago. This is the only kid that I know whose parents came to me. And he knew his parents came to me. And he knew he's getting an iPad and he knew he's getting the letter. And he sat down and cried. He told me I couldn't read it again. It meant nothing to him that someone told his parents what to do. The fact that his parents did this was the most important thing for him. But now he's uncomfortable. So everyone else is having a great time, go to Vasanayas and go to Chulunt and go to this and go to that, and smoke up and get girls and get this. And that whole lifestyle is becoming from him echolic. So I explained to him, this is good. Because I don't know where you're going to go, and what you're, but when the opportunity comes for you, you're going to take it, whereas three months ago you wouldn't have taken it. So you're getting disgusted with your life. So this is what he calls the kusta de chiyusa, the kernel of life, the spark of life, that that is what Hashem waited to ruin Kla Yisrael in, in, in Galus Mitzrayim in order to create them from fresh. And this is what he says now. Also, we can explain in the concept of a spark of life. It is the spiritual energy power of every Yid. That never gets destroyed. Just like the Sneh was surrounded by fire, but the Sneh did not get, did not get, um, did not get destroyed. So too, a Yiddish, what do we call this? Pintalid, right? Pintalid. I explained to him like an oven that even all, even on your stovetop, you could turn off all the fire, but there's a spark there. There's the, what's it called? The pilot light is on. We have a pilot light that is never, ever possible to get extinguished. And that's why you see people that after what they did for one year, two years, three years, you should say that there's no pilot light, there's no Yiddishkeit left, there's nothing to unzitzinen, and all of a sudden we find out, boom, they, get, they, they, they come back, right? The kid who came over here to Home Sweet Home, Leah and Hara, ten weeks ago, he just kept now his second Shabbos in a row after a year and a half. So where does it come from? Because even though for a year and a half he did not... He did not keep Shabbos, but the Pintaliyid was there, the kernel of life, the Kusta, the Chiyusa, the Nakuda, right? The pilot light was there. And therefore, as soon as he was able to turn it up, the fire was able to burn. Now listen to what he says. If somebody can give them, you have an extra one? Maybe you could share with your wife and give them one? Okay. Why does it say a double lashon? It should just say one lashon. I've seen the pain of my children. I, I know their pain. What is Hashem tells Moshe, You see one Riyah, but I see two Riyahs. And now he goes away from what the Medrash says, 
And this is what he explains. The Haivaga Kubrina said, The worst thing in the world is, When a person makes peace with his spiritual lowness, his matziv, this is what it is, then he doesn't dig to change it. When a person is at peace with his level, even a tzaddik, you could be on the Lamed Shari Tahara. If you're at peace, you're not going to move up in life. Because moving up is hard. It's very difficult to do. So nobody's going to move on any level unless you feel that you're not at peace. So he says, the worst thing is when a person, I'm good, I'm good. Vahatam. And by the way, the people suffering from this is not the kids off the derech. It's most of our good kids who think they're, I'm fine. Come on, you're not the Khan Kanievsky yet. So why are you so fine? I'm good. If you're good, you're not going to go ahead and push yourself weiter. Vahatam. So as long as a yid is not at peace with his situation, and his innards are, are in pain, on his spiritual condition, and he feels this life is not a life. It's not life. And his soul is burning, is demanding on him to work, to toil in order to reach something new, a new place. So then, then you're not lost. The demand of your soul that is burning inside of you. On top of that, that you're not going to ignore those demands. That is That is the, the greatest spark of life that is burning inside of you, that's demanding you, and you're not going to ignore those, that, that koil Hashem. That's the beginning. So I told this kid that you think that you're so bad and you're messed up and you want to give up, Adrava, the fact that you're not happy with the life that you were perfectly happy with three months ago and six months ago and a year ago and two years ago, right? That means that you're starting to wake up Imagine, God forbid, somebody gets into a terrible accident, trauma is an accident, right? And he's in an accident, and he wakes up, he's in a coma for six months. He's in a coma for a year. And all of a sudden, he opens his eyes. You know what the first, first thing that's going to happen when he opens his eyes? He's going to feel all the pain. He's going to realize how bad he is. But we're happy, because the only way for him to become a normal person in a year or two or five from now is to first open your eyes. But the guy who opens his eyes and realizes all the tubes and the respirator and the machines and everything and starts to feel pain, he's going to have a painful process. He's going to, they're going to start weaning him off the medicine. It's very difficult to take a guy off a trach. It's very difficult for a guy to breathe on his own. It's a lot of pain. So he's scared, right? But we know that the only way you're ever going to be normal is if you get off that machine and you go through the painful process. You're all familiar if you read the book. You're familiar with this marshal. Somebody falls into a deep pit. As long as you hear the guy crying and screaming, he's in pain, get me out of here. You know he's alive. And you know that he knows what's going on. He's screaming down, don't worry, we're going to come get you. And he's screaming, get me out of here, it's killing me. At least you know his mind is good, is stable. If you don't hear him, Maishi, come, you okay? And you don't hear any answer. It's a sign that the fall hit him so bad that he lost his hakari. He lost, he doesn't know what's going on. And I always add to this, the third level, that not only he doesn't answer you, 
But it's even worse of a fall if when you call down, you say, don't worry, we're going to get you out of this terrible situation. And he screams up, me? I'm fine. You guys are crazy. And that's what happened to me when I met that kid who came to check out Home Sweet Home. A guy, he was homeless. He's a flappish kid, a beautiful family. He was head to toe in jeans, basically homeless, drug addict. With the you shade. mean the first boy, the first boy? No, 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 different one. The kid, this kid never came to me. Somebody brought him to me, maybe Avi could help you, and I'm telling him about Home Sweet Home, and he has like bald head with like razor marks, all, all funky stuff all around, and I'm telling him, listen about Home Sweet Home, it's a program, blah, 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 and a year from now you leave here, you're a success, you're clean, you're, you have fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 in your savings account, you feel good about your life, you put your life together, and he looks at me and he's like, dude, I don't need help. I don't need rules. I could do whatever I want. I could sleep with whoever I want. I could sleep wherever I want. I eat what I want. I go when I want. Why would I do this? And I thought of this Nasiva Shalom. How sad. His fall, his trauma was so bad that not only he's not saying anything, but what he's saying is completely retarded. He gave up on life. He doesn't think it could be normal. So that's what he's saying. And this he says also with every one of us, spiritually. There's a, great, a, a tremendous Kiddush that he says. Ki Adam Yisrael a ye that has, that is makir God, that he recognizes God. So what do you expect the next words to be? It causes him so much pleasure, you recognize God and you're calm. He says, no. When you get to whatever level you're on, to the next level that you recognize a glimpse of God and a connection on a higher level, you know what that causes? Pain. Has a garemas lo yusure nefesh. It causes you pain in your soul. Because if you have more of a recognition of God, you have a demand. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get up. You gotta do something more than what you were doing until now. So every person has that. You go on a trip. I went to Mezbish twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. That's when I wrote the song Shabbos and Mezbish on a trip. The ruchnis there was it was something unbelievable. I never experienced it. You know what? When you come home, I felt when the when the uh, when the plane landed in JFK, I, I, as I was coming back, I saw a billboard. And the billboard had a picture of, of, of a, a devil with the horns on. And it was talking to me. He says, <laughs> welcome back. It was painful. I didn't want to come back to my regular life. I, I, I had something, a gift of Ruchnius on a higher level. And coming back to wherever I was before, it hurt. Because there was something in me that was demanding me to do something about it. So that's what he's saying. It's so true. When you makir Hashem... It hurts because now you got to do something about it. Listen to this. What did he tell Hashem? They're not going to listen to me. Looking at the matzav of Kalisum, they are in our words. They're a bunch of drug addicts. They don't work. They steal. They break into cars. The machal Shabbos. They're the lowest levels. So Moshe Rabbeinu, looking at the situation, he felt, They're not going to listen to me. They gave up on themselves. Moshe Rabbeinu felt like I felt, that I'm going to go and say, Hey, Home Sweet Home is going to save your life. And the kid's going to say, Dude, I'm good. Moshe Rabbeinu thought that's what's going to happen. He's going to tell Chai we're going to get redeemed. We're going to get Adam and We're going to get the, the Torah. We're going to be the Amman Nivchar. And then they're going to say, We can't hear this. Leave us alone. We're good the way we are. We built, we just invested money, we built Gatchka We had everything that we need. 
but look how sad we were. Like, I was looking at this kid. He's telling me he has the life, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy, and he has nothing. That's Yish. So in Mitzrayim, we had nothing, and that's why Moshe thought, we're going to be in Siyayish Lagamri. We're not going to be interested in being saved. Hainu, she'eshlimu ma'amitzius. We made peace with our mitzius. She'eshmishukarim ememteshavitoma. That's us. That's it. I'm a low life. I'm stuck. I can't be helped. He doesn't see that they want to get out of the Mamakiatoma. That was his, his, his situation. How many people are on the streets interacting with Kips? The Kip doesn't go over to them and say, Oh, yeah, I wish my life would be better. They say, whatever. And what do they say? They stand up strong. F you. They look like they're having a great time. And people make the mistake that he says, My Shurabenu made, that when you look at them, you really think that they don't want help. They're not in pain. This is our message. You're just looking at the chitzonis at the outside, the kids smoking up with the hat on backwards and the girl with the mini skirt and they're going and the partying and the coming and the going and the movies and all of that. But Vani Hashem says, Ani Raya, Heinus Achitzainis, yeah, I see that too. But Vehenus Apnimi Shebipnimi is, I have x ray vision. I see deep down, and you know what I see? Something that you don't see, Kiyodati Asmach Oivov. Yudea Ani is like Eve, I see the tremendous pain, Hamachalchel Bipnimi is Nafsham, that is churning deep inside of them. Asher Tzak Libam El Hashem Al Shvamatzovam. They're screaming out to Hashem Al Shvamatzovam. You don't see it. You look at the kid, you think they're going out to the movies and they're partying and they have girlfriends and boyfriends and they have the life. And when you talk to them, they're going to say, yeah, I got everything. I, this guy, Moshe, I was talking to him, he goes, I was never happy on the street. I said, all the guys look so happy on the street. He says, Avi, I'm one of them. We're miserable. But you don't see that. You make the mistake of Moshe Rabbeinu, that he says, and Moshe also said, they look fine to me. Why would they be interested in Geula, why would they be interested in being saved? Why would they be interested in all these mitzvahs, all these rules? I don't need rules. That's exactly what the kid was telling me. The Av Sheba And even though in the Chitzainius, externally, and it's as if they seem like they gave up on themselves. Deep and down, Hashem is saying, I'm telling you, I know what's going on. They're broken. They're full of pain. And they're yearning to be redeemed. This pain inside. And a person's low status. In life, in anything. And the yearning to return and to rise up, to be normal. This is the kus of the that spark that God put inside of us that can never get destroyed. And on this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is made, I know it exists. Mamash, what we're dealing with. We look at the kids, we know that it's not, the story is not on the outside what they're showing us. We know they're in pain. And if the guy is not reacting to the pain, it's even sadder. It means that he gave up already. Yush, I'll never be worthy. I'll never be normal. I'm not worth it. And he says a gorgeous pshat. What's mimamakim kersich Hashem? From the low. 
Pashit is like from high to low, from a bad situation. He says, not from the low, from the depth, from the depth of me. From inside my soul. Even if a Jew finds himself in a situation, He's not davening, he's not putting on tefillin, she doesn't bend, she doesn't daven. Even if he is not matzah that externally, he can't even, he's not even calling out, Hashem, please help me, because the damage was too much. But harimi mamakim, deep down, in the essence, the inner, innermost soul, yes, the child is calling out, I wanted to say pshat like this, in Anabakayach we say, Shavasenu Kabel, Listen to our Shava, our screams, our our Shavasenu Kava, our Shava, Ushma Tzaka Senu, and here our Tzaka is screaming, Yedeya Talumais, the one who knows hidden things. So my kasha was, it's the wrong, doesn't match. Ushma Tzaka Senu, Shamea Tzakais, it should say. Hear my screams, the one who hears screaming. If I'm screaming, you don't need to be a Yedeya Talumais. The Teretz is that we're talking about this situation that I'm not screaming, but inside I'm screaming. So we tell Hashem, I'm so messed up that I'm not screaming, I want to get better, I want to be better, I can't, I give up. But the Yedea Talumas knows deep, deep inside of my being that I'm screaming, I want to be better. Because every Yid wants to be better. Just like many of our kids, our kips, lose their Bechina of Dibur. They can't even daven, they can't do anything. That was the Matzav and Mitzrayim, the Svarim tell us, that they couldn't even daven to Hashem anymore, get me out of here. It was past that. They say, was closed off to them. They were only able to groan, to moan. We'll look at the beginning of the Gula. What happens? And the Chiddush's desire says, When it says, it means Beliko. Like I was saying, the Shemei Tzaka is Beliko. They were groaning. Yes, we're getting up in the morning and we're doing Avadah Zara and like our kids are doing drugs and they're doing Averis and the Machal Shabbos and it looks fine and I try to put a smile on my face or I try to just go ahead with it and everything's fine. I'm just a tough guy. But deep inside, that's the spark of life. That's the only way that the Geula can start. That deep down there's a spark that does not get burnt out. He says for every one of us. If a person feels that demand that I gotta get better, I gotta get better, and I'm not gonna make peace with myself, and he looks, he searches, anything. If a person goes in and he's searching, I gotta get, I gotta grow, I gotta get out of this massive. That's what carries the kid, the person, to be able to go to another place. We see a lot of times people grow, 
even in the middle of life, they grow to a new place, they change their lives, and it comes from that, that they wake up and they connect to their nefesh, which is demanding on them to grow, and that's the only way to grow. That's the kustu de chiyusa. So besides for the nice speech for every one of us, and besides for the kip that I was mechazek with this thing, it's so important for us to realize that this is what we have to look at today, in our generation, where so many people look at these kips and get them wrong. A low life, an oisvarv, a bum. What are some other words? Help me out here. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Right? And, and, and so many parents even tell me, a kleiner Nazi. <laughs> okay, what else did you call your kids? Right? And people look at this from the outside who don't know. 99% of people look at this and they say, wow, what a loser. What a messed up kid. What a horrible situation. And they all get it wrong. They think that these kids are rough, tough kids who are, don't give a, right? It's funny now. No, my son told, complained to my wife and I'm afraid that my therapist thinks I'm a tough kid and he doesn't see that I'm a faker. <laughs> and that's what it is. Guys like Shimon Russell, real professional therapists, they know how to get right, right, right through it. Because he goes ahead in the first session, he'll say, he'll talk to them. He'll say, now listen, I know that during this session you lied to me about everything and you made yourself look tough. And I'm okay with it. And as long as you have to continue lying and putting up a thing, I'm all right. Because I get paid for my time. And, you know, your parents forced you to come here, and that's fine, no problem. And I don't mind if you lie, but when you're ready to tell me the truth, I'm ready to hear it. And he gets ahead of people. I mean, I had a, a, a situation where there was a girl who went to a very top psychologist, a from guy who's really good. I managed to look up to him. She went for a year and a half and just got worse, 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 worse. They couldn't... Anything wrong? Anything ever happened bad to her? Nothing, 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 nothing. I hooked up the girl with a life coach that I trained. The second week, she was murdered that she was raped by a Mexican. And a year and a half in therapy, it didn't come out. you got to know how to maneuver and how to get it out. So that your son is so smart. He's like, i got to play Mr. Tough Guy, but I, I hope, right? He's hoping that the guy can please get through. I can't put down my walls. I'm in survival mode. I'm Mr. Macho. I, I don't have control over it. I can't go in there and say, you know, I'm miserable. I can't, but I hope he's smart enough to get around it. The fact that your son told that to your wife, Okay, means that you're doing the right thing. That he doesn't have to impress her, and hopefully not you. And that only comes from, I accept you the way that you are. Then the trauma victim calms down. The survival skills, the, the goes out in the back. I have a kid who just moved in here, three years basically living on the street, and I spoke to him, because he's having a very hard time, and I said, the way that you're reacting now to life makes perfect sense. You're perfectly normal because you're still in survival mode. You still don't believe that nobody's here to hurt you and that nobody's taking away anything from you and that we really like you and things are going to be good. It's an adjustment. And I explained to him, a guy who goes to the army for six years to Iraq, he walks around in the army in Iraq with a big gun and a grenade and a, a stick and a baton and a badge and anybody who gets in his way, he's, gonna, he's just going to fight with them. They know how to fight, but then they come here to America and they got to go ahead and adjust to being just a regular citizen. And a guy cuts you off, and a guy steps on your foot, and you don't have a baton, and you have to just be, okay, no problem. And that's not what they train you to say in battle. They don't train you to go to Iraq and, and, and say, okay, no problem. Hey, you can drive in front of me. No, you got to fight because you're dealing with terrorists. They come back to America, and they have a really big, it's difficult, it's an adjustment. Don't you know who I am? 
uh, actually, you're a nobody now. You're just a citizen. You don't have a gun. You don't have a baton. And then you got to become giving and loving and accepting and put up with, with garbage. So I said, now it's an adjustment, but it's okay. And he was so comforted that I understood him. I didn't look bad at him. And I was able to show him where he's at and where he's going and, and that it's fine. And I said, and don't worry, over time it's going to fade away, and then you're going to have to be a regular citizen, not in survival mode, because you want to keep your job. You know, in survival mode in Israel, when he was on the street, if a guy gave him a hard time, F you, fists come out, I got nothing to lose anyway. Now he went to work, and his manager got in his face. Okay? And he couldn't do what he normally did. This was challenging for him. So he put his hands in his pocket to hold himself down, and he told him, get away from me, I will kill you. Get away from me, just back, beep, beep, beep off. I, I'm not going to hit you, and you do this again, I will kill you. And Baruch Hashem, because of the way that he did not slam the guy in the face, he's still working there, that manager actually quit, so now he's, he, everything's great. But that moment was a real test for him, because a street kid does not tolerate, the guy gave him like a push, he like got in his face and like gave him, he touched him, he's like, don't touch me. He said, my first reaction was, just deck him. I'll get fired. I won't have a job. I'll have to leave home sweet home. I'll be homeless. None of that matters when you're in survival mode. And he was able to hold himself back, which was huge. Huge. So these kids, right, are going through a process. And everybody's looking at them and looking down at them. But you amazing parents have a different attitude. You tell your friends, You see one vision. I also see that, but I also see inside. I see a shefala, a sweet, good-hearted kid who's screaming out, Somebody help me. Somebody help me. I'm not happy. And that's what we got to remember. Because that's the kust of the that ultimately will bring them to be redeemed and to, to get normal and to have a good life. Okay? All right.